week four of our series called Holy Roar. And just like we have every week, we're going to continue to be anchored to the text from Psalm 100. So if you're willing and able to do so, would you stand in honor of God's word today? And let's read it once again. Let this song of praise just stick to our bones. You know what I'm saying? Church, hear the word of the Lord. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Read this with me. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. The word of the Lord. You can be seated. Oh, man. So we have been on this journey talking about praise. Week one, we talked about the impact of praise through studying the story in 2 Chronicles 20, where the people of God didn't even have to fight because their worship fought the battle for them. And we remembered that our worship is warfare. Then the second week, we began our journey through the seven Hebrew words that describe how the people of God worshiped and how we are invited to do so today. I'm going to use this comparison once again because I think it's helpful. In the Greek, there are four different words for love, right? They're all translated into our one word, love, and that can be problematic because I love sushi differently than I love Mark Hall, right? And so in translation, we lose some of the beauty of the concepts of love as written in scripture. The same is true uh, for the word praise. There are seven different words in the Hebrew language that we often read as our one English word praise. And so this is a journey studying those words so that we might have a greater picture of this concept of praise. Our hope is that we might anchor our praise practices to Scripture. Amen? Nothing better. We recognize during week two that worship has always been central to the people of God. And so we, as people of God, acknowledge the place of praise and worship in our own lives. So let's review the first four words that we've learned so far. Are you ready to practice that Hebrew? Oh, yeah. Okay, so here we go. The first word that we learned was yada. Say that with me. Yada. This is the hands of praise. It means to revere or worship with extended hands, to hold out the hands, to throw a stone or arrow. And it has that picture of being so overwhelmed by the majesty and glory of God that our hands just naturally shoot up in praise. This word, yada is used 111 times in the Old Testament. Our second word was halal. Come on, let's practice it. 
halal. This is the fool's of praise. It means to boast, to rave, to shine, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. Interestingly, this is the primary Hebrew word for praise. It's where we get our word hallelujah. So maybe we should be more like fools, church, in our worship. I don't know. The third word was zamar. Let's say it together. Zamar. This is the music of praise. It means to make music, to celebrate in song and music, to touch the strings or parts of a musical instrument. With this word, we acknowledge that the act of making music is worship. That listening to music, even without words, is worship. And so we're thankful once again for all of our musicians. That word zamar is used 41 times in the Old Testament. So we acknowledge that music, musical instruments have always been central in, in the picture of God's people as they worshiped the king. The fourth word we looked at last week was todah. Ready? Let's say it. Toda. I always, I think I made this joke last week, but I always want to say ta-da, but it's toda. This is the expectation of praise. It means an extension of the hand, thanksgiving, a confession, a sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise, thanksgiving for things not yet received, a choir of worshipers. This word is really often seen as the word for praise that we exercise when we are in the midst of hard things, when we're waiting on the answered prayer, when we haven't yet seen the move of God, the choice deliberately to worship in the waiting. We talked about how when we feel out of control, we worship the one who is in control. Amen? Amen. All right, so we've got four words down. We're doing two more this week. And Pastor Mark so beautifully picked songs that went along with these words, so I'm excited to continue on. The fifth word in Hebrew that is often translated into our one-word praise is this, barak. Want to practice it with me? Barak. This is the posture of praise. It means to kneel, to bless God as an act of adoration, to praise, to salute, to thank. Barak. This word is used 289 times in the Psalms. That's a lot of times. It's a word of humility, of blessing, and adoring God. It's, it's all about recognizing our position in relationship to God. That imagery of our position in relationship with God is what's used 289 times in the Psalms. Each time that we see it used, is, it's describing worshipers falling on their faces before God in reverence, in adoration, and in thanksgiving. You know, in our culture, we don't really have a practice similar to this, but in cultures where they have royalty, the idea of kneeling in the presence of royalty is common, right? 
This word Barak carries with it that if we bow to earthly kings and queens, wouldn't we even more so bow in the presence of the king of kings? Amen? So let's go to a place where this word Barak is used in scripture. We're going to look at Psalm 72, verses 11 and verse 15. Hear the word of the Lord. Yes, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. And he shall live, and the gold of Sheba will be given to him. Prayer also will be made for him continually, and daily he shall be Barak. The word of the Lord. In that text, it's making a beautiful comparison of earthly kings, the ones who we bow before in reverence and honor, even those kings will kneel in reverence to the king of kings. And so then it compels the people of God to follow in that act of adoration. You know, there's something about kneeling that aligns our body posture with a heart posture of humility. Isn't that true? Like when you kneel, it's a very humbling experience, especially if you're getting, you know, advanced in age, it's hard to get up and down. <laughs> I hear that, Miss Kay. Yes, so there, there's something about aligning our body posture with our heart. It's honestly why I kneel with my Bible at the altar before every sermon. For me, it is a full body reminder of who I am submitted to as I stand before you presenting the word of God. It's my intentional attempt of aligning my whole body in that posture of humility and submission under the authority of the king of kings. This idea behind Barak is, is what scholars tell us in, in when they give us insight into the ancient Hebrew language. In the original context, this term did not simply mean bowing down. This is important. The term Barak carried with it this connotation of bending low while keeping one's eyes fixed on the king. And so it was this body posture that showed humility but complete fixation on the one who knows the way. That is Barak. Isn't that ideal in a skirt, you know? So to Barak is to be transfixed on the one who leads our way. So with all of this in mind, what can we glean from this idea of Barak? This is what I was, would urge us to think of. This is in your sermon notes. Body posture impacts heart posture. There's some really tangible realities of the ways in which our body posture impacts our heart posture. Let's like prove the point here. Psychology gets this. And, and I believe uh, God got it first, because I think he designed us this way. Think about it with me. What does this tell you? Closed off. 
uninterested, maybe nervous, right? What does this tell you? Interested, curious, invested, right? You all know, body posture does something. It says something. And so I think in Scripture, we see God helping us use our whole bodies to stay in alignment with the king. So let's make practical application of this. Sometimes when my heart posture is struggling, I know I need to adjust my body posture to facilitate a heart shift. Does that make sense? Sometimes when my heart posture is struggling, I need to change my body posture to facilitate that needed heart shift. I'll throw myself under the bus and give you some personal examples. How about that? Y'all can just back over me all you want, okay? Morning quiet time. I told you guys last week I'm almost always up around 5.15 to spend time with the Lord. And there are mornings so often when I am attempting to listen to God. I am attempting to pray, and I am so distracted. Can I get an amen? Maybe it's the dishes piled up. Maybe it's the laundry basket. Maybe it's the 15 bajillion toys on my floor, you know? And there's this moment where I recognize if I shift my body, if I kneel, it helps me reposture myself to block out all the noise. Quite literally, I'm like blocking my face from the things that I'm seeing. But that shift in my body reminds me that something important is happening right now. Another example, when there's a fresh awareness of a shortcoming, when the Holy Spirit in the gentleness and tenderness of the Spirit reminds me of a place of sin in my life, the most natural thing is to fall on my face in repentance. Out of response of that awareness of my need for God, kneeling just feels right. Another example, perhaps God answered the prayer I never dreamed of. Last week I shared our struggle conceiving, and I remember the moment I found out I was finally pregnant. The only response that felt natural was kneeling in adoration and awe before the Lord. That body posture reflected what was happening in my heart. Another really tangible one, board meetings. I love a good church board meeting. <laughs> if you're in a board meeting with me, I always kneel when we pray together because I'm in business mode when I get to board meeting. And those moments of prayer, I force myself out of business mode and into spirit mode by kneeling before the king who I really want to lead the meeting, not me. Amen? Body posture impacts heart posture. So, Barak, this full body expression of praise, reminds us of this. To fix our eyes on Jesus. When we're going through life, the good, the bad, the ugly, change your posture and fix your eyes on Jesus, our one true king. 
Psalm 103 is another great example of the use of Barak, where the psalmist uses the word Barak as a repeated, repetitive hook. Follow along with me on the screen. This is a few verses from Psalm 103. Hear the word of the Lord. Barak the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Barak the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Barak the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Barak the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Barak the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Barak the Lord, my soul. The word of the Lord. I love that. Because in that psalmist, we're recognizing that all of creation, in fact, all things, period, are commanded to Barak the Lord. Angels, mighty ones, saints who have gone before us, the works of the Lord even, creation, our very souls, are compelled to this act of humility and transfiction on the king through this word Barak. So when we've experienced the goodness of God, when we recognize our desperate need for God, how can we not Barak the king? It's a compelling image at the end of God's holy word in Revelation 4. It's an image of eternity. Let me read it to you. This is uh, Revelation chapter 4, starting at the end of verse 8. says, and they do not rest day or night, saying, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him, they barack who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. The word of our Lord. And so we, church, are invited as we study these Hebrew words to join people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every generation, angels, saints, creation in our Barak before the Lord. So may this word, the next time you feel the urge to kneel before the Lord, this space welcomes it. Do not hold back. That's our fifth word. Are you ready for our sixth? I love this one. Our sixth Hebrew word is Tehillah. Everybody try it. Tehillah. All right. There is a mo- <laughs> There's a word. I, I, I can't help but. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sandlot. When they're all sick on the thing going round and round and the song playing, go watch it. And then don't judge me, okay? 
Tehillah. This is the songs of praise. It means laudation, a hymn, a song of praise, a new song, a spontaneous song. This word tehillah is used 57 times in scripture, with over half of those uses being in the book of Psalms. Psalms of tehillah are interesting. They may not rhyme, so if you can't rhyme, there's a place for you. They maybe don't have the catchiest tune. So if you can't see, sing on key, good news. There's a place for you too. They may not be polished, but songs of Tehillah come straight from the worshiper's heart. In the moment, they flow from the depths of intimacy with God. They carry with it this thought of storied praise that as we live our lives from the stories of our hearts, we lift up Tehillah to the Lord. It comes fresh from the individual. And this uh, concept captures exactly what the book of Psalms is. In the, in the Hebrew language, the word Psalms, the book of Psalms is called the Tehillim. So it was the spontaneous songs of the people of God. So let's look at an example. This is Psalm 22, verse 3. Hear the word of the Lord. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the Tehillah of Israel. This is one of my favorite uses of praise in Scripture Because it's this reality that when we offer a new song of praise, a spontaneous song even, Tehillah to the Lord, the Lord steps down from his heavenly courts and takes residence among his worshipers. That's powerful. The Lord inhabits our Tehillah. So church, it may feel silly. You on your own, spontaneously lifting up a messy song of praise, but know that the Lord uniquely cherishes those moments. When we Tehillah, the King of Kings, inhabits our praises. So Tehillah invites us to just let our praises flow. Let our praises flow. You might notice in modern worship albums These moments in the song where the people are no longer singing something specific. It's not like a verse or a chorus. It's just a bunch of people singing. And you're just kind of like, what are we doing? Have you noticed that? They're practicing tequila. They're all lifting up those songs that bubble up from their hearts in the midst of a moment of worship. So hear me say... Don't be afraid to let the song in your heart out. You'll probably notice Pastor Mark say something in service like, let's lift up praises to the Lord. That is Pastor Mark making a corporate invitation to practice Tehillah. To just say to the Lord whatever is on your mind. To lift up that personal praise from the depths of our souls to the heavens. The final passage that we're going to look at today uses both of our words for this week, Barak 
and Tehillah, and it takes us back to the psalm we've been anchoring ourselves to on this journey. So look at Psalm 100, verse 4 with me. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with Tehillah, with spontaneous worship, with a new song. Give thanks to him and Barak his name. Kneel before Almighty God. I love that beautiful combo of kneeling in the presence of the Lord and lifting up spontaneous praise to him. I'm going to invite the worship team to prepare to lead us in a song of worship. An opportunity for us to practice exactly what we've been talking about. And today, yet again, Pastor Mark has chosen a really intentional song for us. They're going to lead us in the song, Good, Good Father. And I want to tell you the story behind that song. So Good, Good Father is a song that was made popular by none other than Chris Tomlin. But it was actually written by two artists named Pat Barrett and Tony Brown. They were leading worship at a house church movement in Atlanta. And after a time of worship, a young lady asked for prayer. This young lady was battling cancer. And it really wasn't looking good. They had prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And healing didn't come. Relatable? And so this group had a practice of believing that God was good even in the hard times. So that night, they circled their wounded sister and declared the goodness of God, even while at the same time continuing to ask for healing. Tony, one of the original authors, shared how the Spirit of God was felt in the room in a powerful way. Surrounded by the people of God lifting up Tehillah to the Lord, Tony felt a chorus coming to him and began to sing it over his friend. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. He said he was scared to sing it at first, because that can feel like an insult when you're in the midst of this hard thing. But he sang it anyways because he knew that it was from the Lord to this young lady. Soon the woman was singing with him as well. And then the whole group joined, declaring this truth into the darkness. That first night they sang the chorus of what would become Good, Good Father, over and over and over again for over an hour as they allowed the peace of God to flood the entire room. So this simple, spontaneous song, this song of Tehillah, really, that started in somebody's soul as just a raw, real song of worship, has now become a song that has influenced the church globally our songs of Tehillah have great impact. And so as the worship team leads us, church, before we run off and get caught up in the busyness of life, 
may we praise the King of Kings. May we yada, lifting the hands of praise. May we halal, free ourselves up to be clamorously foolish in our love for the Lord. May we zamar, make music to our King. May we todah, if you're in the middle of a valley, may we worship with expectation that God will move. May we barak, kneel before the King of Kings in humble fixation. And may we tehillah, lift up those messy, sometimes awkward heart songs to the King.